Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are listening to Keep Canada Weird, a weekly weird news roundup by the Nighttime Podcast. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to my weekly Keep Canada Weird discussion series. If you are new here, in Keep Canada Weird, my pal Aaron Airport and I seek out and explore some of the more offbeat Canadian news stories from the past week. In tonight's episode, which was recorded on May 3rd, 2022, we got a full plate of oddities for you. We have a bunch of stolen penises in Newfoundland. We have a little bit of honesty in a red-hot real estate market. There's a roadside bomb in Nova Scotia and what can only be described as a buffoon of a therapist in Ontario. So let's get to it. Handsome Aaron Airport. We're back, buddy. How you doing? Oh, feeling good to be back. Back on our Tuesday nice schedule, you know, back to the routine. Feels good. Everything feels good to be back in back in order. Um, let's start the show with a, a bit of recognition towards what this day means to us. Today is May 3rd. Do you know where you were May 3rd, 19 years ago? Yes, I do. We were at what was then called Bunker's Peanut Bar, mm-hmm. um, now called Governor's Restaurant or whatever, Governor's Pub and Eatery or something to that effect. But at the time, it was a peanut bar in downtown Sydney, and we were playing our very first show as airport. That's right. It is 19 years since uh, since that first show, which is nuts how much time goes, how quickly time passes. But uh, our, most, a lot of our friendship has been... Um, our band airport has been kind of the center of our friendship over the years. So that's 19 Mm -hmm. years and probably six months of friendship because we've only known each other for a couple months before we're like, let's, let's start a band, man. Let's make magic together. That's what we said. Yeah. That was our, your exact words. Like, Hey, what's up? You want to make some magic with me? And I'm like, I got a guitar. (laughs) I got a top hat. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was it. Uh, The band's name was airport. A lot of people think that that was the merger of my name, Bonaparte, with your name, Aaron Airport. That is not mm. the case. The middle ground. No, it is no. Not. The middle ground between my house, where I grew up, well, my dad's house, and your house, where you grew up, your dad's house, was the airport. Uh, so we were often passing by that. And when we were thinking of a band name, do yeah. you remember the other contenders? I remember I liked the tow trucks because we were kind of a, an acoustic duo. Mm. And I thought we could have a folksy name. So I thought the tow trucks was a great name. Yeah. So then we ended up not going with the tow trucks. We had it narrowed down to airport versus airport road, because I actually lived right next to airport road, which is next to the airport. And uh, so you wanted to just go with airport and I wanted to go with airport road because again, I thought it was more folksy considering we were just two acoustic guitars (laughs) So, yeah. but then you won out in the end, and I can't remember how. I don't either, but I'm glad we did. I think that was a great name, and it served us well. Um, but in the early days, we had some no. very strange stuff that occurred uh, on and off stage. Do you have any, um, like, what is some of your most or your most notable memory of our time as airport? Well, yes, in the very early days, do you remember playing the bachelorette party? 
<laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have until now. That was you arranged that. What was that all about? Yeah, yeah. So it was, um, we had just started. So it was just the two of us with acoustic guitars singing really sad pop songs. Like love songs, you know, like, like breakup really songs. Love songs, like slow. Yeah, yeah. They were like very, uh, you know, romantic or breakup y or, you know, slow and just two acoustic guitars. And then someone approached me about playing a bachelorette party they were having. And also, and and you know, I, I was up for anything at the time, so I just messaged you. I said, "Yeah, they offered us some cash to play this bachelorette party, so I've got the address. We just show up at a certain time." And didn't think much of it, but then we go down into this basement where there's just all these women, and there's penises everywhere, <laughs> like on the wall, right? <laughs> Are, on the walls, and they had those penis necklaces and penis straws, and like. And then they just sat down while we played, like, for, I don't know, maybe 40 minutes yeah, just staring or right just, at us. Just staring at us and, and listening dead quiet through the whole thing and then politely clapping after each song. And, like, and then I remember we left and we went and got drunk. Yeah, afterwards. like, here's 40 Funny bucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> mine also involves people awkwardly staring at us. I remember uh, we were busking downtown Sydney on the... Uh, on the boardwalk in the summer uh playing our songs and people giving us money but um one of as we're performing we're sitting kind of with our backs to the harbor i guess uh and on the other Mm -hmm. side of the boardwalk i I believe it was a man i've actually i believe it was a woman it was a woman it was i don't know i would have pinpointed her to be maybe in her 50s yeah and her a, a woman a heavier set woman in her 50s sat uh, at the bench, like across the boardwalk from us, so maybe five feet away from us, staring intently at us as we performed. But what she was doing mm. was she had her hands over her mouth, and she had like a this dirty old bag in her hands, and there was the god awful smell of gasoline coming from the bag, mm. uh, and she was taking big, large, like I think you would call it huffing gas, is what they call that in Cape Breton. Yeah, yeah. I think she was kind of dabbing it into the bag. I remember it being a rag that she. Was yeah, she had a rag and a bottle, and she kept getting the rag. Yeah, and she was like putting the bottle, like that, you know, dripping gas into the rag, and then putting it over her face, and then and then sniffing it. Yeah, yeah. As we played uh, breakup songs, as we just played along, yeah, like just as just in the same way we did the bachelorette party, and 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 at that point in time it was just me and you sitting there and then her across from us and no one else around yeah that was weird uh anyway i hope she's okay mm. i'm i'm realizing now yeah. how antisocial yeah. that was for us to not maybe we should have stopped <laughs> i don't know i mean and it was we were 18 right away that, yeah it wasn't right away that we noticed it too he started to almost smell it in the air and then kind of piece it together and then by the time we really knew what was going on she was she was up and left. I, I remember her leaving her jacket behind. Yeah, and I think she left her jacket with like a bottle, like a mm-hmm. bottle that had gas or something. Yeah, there was a bottle or something there. Um, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was a fairly bizarre What moment. a strange, strange time. Uh, and it's funny because you're talking about airport and this being our 19th anniversary of our first show. Uh, the, the roots of nighttime podcast are largely uh, intermixed with the roots of airport because when I started 
podcasting, I used all my old equipment from the band, like my mic that I used mm-hmm. to record my guitar amp and all the stuff I knew about creating a podcast is stuff that I learned by you and I, like writing and recording songs on my computer in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a cool that we're that we're live tonight. But anyway, um, yeah. I think we've served our time keeping Canada weird via the band airport, we've now moved Mm -hmm. on to a new venue to keep Canada weird, and that is the series on the show. So let's get into it. You want to see how weird it's been over the last little bit? Yeah, yeah, let's Uh, get in deep. Spoiler alert, it's been very weird. A lot of strange stuff is going on. In this episode, I I have um, picked out a collection. We have a, um, a buffoon therapist... We have stolen penises, we have a roadside bomb, and we have uh, some honesty in real estate. But before we get into those stories, we also have mm-hmm. a rather shocking, uh, harassing voice memo. Actually, a series of them. And Aaron, I don't think you're going to like these. Uh, let me paint the picture here. People can send me voice memos through the website nighttimepodcast.com slash contact uh those messages get aired on the show there's been an ongoing thread where you and an american listener ellen have not seen eye to eye uh it has reached epic proportions with this new series of messages um listener when, when people send me a voice memo it can be a minute and a half in length i got two messages back to back one of them was anonymous, and somehow it exceeded the minute, the minute and a half limit that I don't know how they did this. But the message, I believe, is related. So anyway, I get two messages. One is the strange one. About a minute later, we get a message from Ellen, who has a problem with you. I don't yes, know if yeah. these messages are related, but this first one is 17 minutes long, what? and it... And it repeats the same phrase or the same word over and over again. Listen to this. Reese's. 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 And it goes on like this. It goes on like that for 17 minutes. Reese's. And I got that and I thought like, what the hell is going on? It must be like some weird glitch or something. Then minutes later, another message came through. And listen to this one. So, Aaron, there is no victory for you. And if I were Jordan, I would rethink having you as a co-host. Jordan doesn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. He pronounces everything correctly. And I can't understand why he's dealing with you. It's Reese's, not Reese. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Jordan does nothing wrong. Well, 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 well. Aaron. I just Aaron. love Aaron. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Thank you, Jordan. I love you. Yeah. Um, you know. I don't... I don't even want to talk about the Reese saga, but this is it bordering on criminal harassment at this point? Yeah, no, it, it is. Uh, you know, it, it, you can't slice it any other way. It's, um, you know, I, I see that so. she's trying to butter you up to try and get me off the show. I don't, <laughs> do I don't you, take it first. 
That's what this is, right? This is a campaign to get you off this the show and maybe get her well, in your the, seat. The reality is, Alan, that Jordan and I have a 19-year history that you're up against here. So if you think for a New York minute that he's going to kick me off this show based off of what you say, then your head is filled with so much peanut butter and chocolate. Let's move on to our story. So I, I, I broke it down for you there. We have honesty in real estate, stolen penises, a buffoon therapist, and a roadside bomb. Where do you think we should start this? Let's um, start with the penises. Who doesn't want to? We already <laughs> talked always... about penises already. We might as well extend that theme. Yeah, what a lovely theme. Let's do it. Uh, and, and this one actually... Uh, this seems to be happening often is we're, we cover mainly stories from the past week, or at least stories that had updates in the past week. This one is a story that we missed from 2019, but it certainly is worthy of mm. revisiting today for anyone who doesn't know this story. Because very rarely do you hear or see an article with a headline, Thieves on the Lamb with Bull Penis Dog Treats, says St. John's Newfoundland pet store owner. Now, this was contributed by our correspondent in Newfoundland named Meg, who does a great job of reminding us or telling us about bizarre things that happen in Newfoundland. And there are certainly many of them. So this one, again, is about stolen penises, bull penises. So let me read you this article and we'll chat this out. And I didn't send you the full thing. I know you know the beginning of this. I know the end of it. Oh, so I'll tell wow. You what power you have. Mark Windsor says two people just strolled into his pet store, grabbed handful after handful of penises, and took off. To be more specific, they grabbed dehydrated bull penises. The dried and stretched penises are often known as pizzles. They're a popular and tasty chew toy for dogs. Windsor, owner of the Pet Zone in St. John's, Newfoundland, notified police immediately. He spoke to CBC As It Happens host Carol Off about the brazen theft. The brazen theft. Here's part of their conversation. Now, I'm going to read you kind of a back and forth mm. of a conversation, so I'll try to do it in character. Mark, before we get to the theft, if you could just clear something up. Why does your pet store sell penises? <laughs> it's a popular item. I guess it's because it's digestible. It's just easier for a dog to chew on, you know? Years ago, it was the old... I don't know if anyone remembers, but the old bleached white and brown rawhide, which made it more difficult to digest. And the taste, not to sound gross or nothing, but the taste is much more flavorful for a dog. <laughs> what do you think it tastes like, Mark? <laughs> I've never tried one, but they're popular and dogs do love them. When did you realize you'd been robbed? It was just Saturday, just past 5 p.m. we got a call. We're still mind-boggled until this day. It was a man and a woman that done the theft. We do have surveillance, so you can see them take handfuls of, well, well, bulls' penises. And they tried to put it up their shirt or, you know, wherever they tried to put it, but they took so much of it in their hands, they just walked out like it was a normal shopping day. And how many did you think they walked out with? They walked out with hundreds of dollars worth, believe it or not. Because how it goes with the pizzle is the longer, well, the more it costs. And you know, the shorter, well, it doesn't cost as much. So people like long penises. Well, 
it's all because the preference of the size of the dog. Then, you know, if you got a big dog, well, then you need to get a bigger penis. So again, what happens with the pizzle is where it's dehydrated, the animal starts from the tip and they just keep chewing on down until there's nothing left. Mark, I have to ask, what's the longest pizzle you've ever had? <laughs> About four feet long. Good heavens. Right, and they go right from four feet to four inches. I'm going to stop okay, this here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but I think you get where it's going. Is um, to, uh, A man and a woman came in the store, a pet store, and stole handfuls and handfuls of long dehydrated bull penises. Did you look at the photo in the article? Yeah, yeah. It like doesn't look penis. like what I, what anyone listening would expect. It looks like a long piece of like straw or something. Yeah. But I guess maybe the dehydration. I'm sure it with. does. You know, um, when you even when you look at a the transformation of a cucumber to a pickle, you know, like it looks quite different afterwards. Mm, good point. Well, so this is what happened, of course, and actually, this brings me back to we talked about this a few times in the past is the idea that one of the big mistakes a thief or a criminal can do is doing a sort of crime that has the capability of going viral. Um, we talked about the guy in Cape Breton who robbed the convenience store using uh, a coat made out of a re mm -hmm. blue recycling bag. His picture went everywhere. They caught him. We talked about the guy who broke into a business, business and I think it was in Alberta and stole Pokemon cards. And that just made him well-known because who, who would break in to steal Pokemon cards at a building next door to a bank. Uh, that guy didn't get busted. Um, this bull penis story, it became a big deal in the news. Um, the, the owner of this business was all over the news talking about it. The photos of the people doing the penis theft were quite clear, quite clear. So I got an update for you. On October 2nd, 2019, CBC posted a, fo a follow-up article with the headline, Two People Arrested in Connection to Theft of Bull Penises. Oh, and then it's so quoted, and, and then they next to it, it says, Police. Yeah, a man and a woman have been arrested in connection with the alleged theft of a vehicle and hundreds of dollars worth of bull penises, the police say. The treats, known as pizzles, are dehydrated bull penis chews sold to dog owners to treat tartar buildup on the teeth. They were allegedly stolen from the pet zone on Kenmount Road this past Saturday. The Royal Newfoundland Constabulary says the man, 26, and the woman, 19, were found Tuesday in a stolen vehicle littered with looted credit cards and license plates. Pet zone owner Mark Windsor told CBC earlier this week that he contacted the police and used social media to flag the alleged theft to other store owners. Um... He said thefts often increase as the holiday season approaches, but didn't place any significance on the items in this particular case. Anyone will, and this is the owner talking, anyone will rob anything. It doesn't make a difference. Usually what's robbed in my stores is donations boxes with money in them. But he was very surprised by Saturday's loss. They took two and three foot lengths of bull penises and went out the door, were blown away. Police say the two suspects will appear in court on Wednesday. So... I gotta ask, like, what kind of like crime spree involves stolen vehicles, stolen credit cards, a whole bunch of license plates that have been stolen, and weird, expensive dog? Yeah, that's the kind of thing that to? you're. It's just so specific. They went in there 
looking for the, those, you know, I assume, like, I assume they had, you know, we're going to go into this pet store and steal this very specific thing because why, you know, there's probably other things that you would have uh, stolen in there outside of the bull penises, not knowing maybe what they are or, or whatever. I don't, I don't know. I can't make sense of that. Yeah. This is, it's pretty strange because they're, but this is kind of like a true Newfoundland Bonnie and Clyde type crime spree. Um, to, to include like a weird like dog treat or something in the middle of it. I looked at the photos of these people. They didn't look like um, genius uh, mastermind thieves. So I'm not surprised that their crime spree crashed and burned, leaving uh, a bizarre series of news articles about bull penises. In so their then wake. what were they going to do with the bull penises? Like resell them? Is that what they're planning? Like how, like, how are they going to go about that? Well, if they stole hundreds of dollars of them, that would imply more than personal use. Like, say they have a dog who loves these things yeah. and they can't afford them. Hundreds of dollars worth seems like They're maybe a bit excessive. Or they have, you know... Especially they if have... they have stolen credit cards. Why wouldn't they have bought them with the stolen credit cards? Because this is what ended up getting them busted. It's like speeding in a stolen car. It doesn't car. make any sense. It's yeah. just like, you know... Again, maybe who knows? Maybe they maybe it was all for personal use. Like my my our dog's teeth are a mess, so we got to get some bull penises. And we got to get to and the pet store, and we don't have fare for the bus, so we need to either steal credit cards to buy bus tickets, or steal a car and drive over there. And maybe they didn't figure out who would do what. He went and got the car. She stole a bunch of credit cards, and then they're in the yeah. stolen car on the way down. Like I could have got his tickets for the bus. Um, maybe it's a big misunderstanding. It sounds like a misunderstanding. Yeah, I think we do need to call it that officially. As, mm -hmm. And we should let the police know that too. Like we should call, get this all cleared up. Like so you need to release them or take, drop the charges. This is a misunderstanding. Um, what I do know about our justice system in Canada is we're recording this about, about three years after this. Um, they're probably not still in custody. I feel like you can do anything and you don't go to jail for any period of time. These people are probably, it's probably the mayor now. Um, no, oh, the mayor, the mayor, spe yeah. Speaking of the mayor, I need to, we need to give a quick update uh, slash correction to a prior story. Do you remember last week when we talked about the large potato man that looked more like a peanut in what I yeah, said was yeah, the town yeah. of Maugerville, New Brunswick? Oh, you I remember? can't remember off the top of my head well, the name of the town. No. Well, I'll tell you, based on my emails, I certainly said Maugerville. Uh, it's spelled like M-A-U-G-E-R-V-I-L-L-E. -L -L -E. mm -hmm. I assumed it was Maugerville. The actual place name is Majorville, as many listeners um connected to New Brunswick, uh, were kind enough to inform me of my error. Uh, wow. that was the, a major mistake you made. Well, the ridiculous town spells it M-A-U-G-E-R. Who would pronounce that major? Um, I just assume Mauger, but anyway, it's, uh, it's Majorville. You know what? This isn't fair, actually, um, because of the heat that I got Oh, over saying Reese instead of Reese's. And then you, yeah, you you know, made a massive mistake and mispronounced a, a town calling it Maugerville instead of Majorville. <laughs> and you get off scot-free. And, and, and you get harassing and phone you, calls. You get shown love over being perfect. 
She said, this is another thing that we need to talk about with her. She said in that voicemail that you don't do anything wrong. And then here you are <laughs> mispronouncing a town in a story. <laughs> Which is oh, just—I think Ellen is will unbelievable. It. Ellen will not understand because Ellen out for me, you know. Like this is, and she sees you just with rose-colored glasses, and she sees me with evil devil-colored glasses, you know. Mispronouncing everything. Mispronouncing. Um, mispronouncing. Speaking of viewing things with rose-colored glasses, um, let's talk a bit about real estate and maybe seeing the best in what some may see as an undesirable real estate opportunity. Mm -hmm. In Halifax, and I think a lot of parts of Canada, the real estate market is insane. People are selling houses for twice what they paid for them three years ago and the, like, the homes in my neighborhood are selling for what you know you would think a mansion would cost uh it's crazy and their homes are selling like they'll go up for sale and within days there's multiple people competing trying to buy the home sight on on scene including a condition like uh, removing conditions from the purchase like i don't even want to do an inspection i just want to buy the house here's way more money than you're even asking for it so anyway the real estate market is incredibly hot on the other hand the real estate market you often like when you see a real estate listing in a house for sale usually the real estate agent will have the host cleaned, maybe even staged, like special furniture that looks nice, brought in, beautiful photos taken to kind of, you know, present the house in the best possible light. There's one exception to that. A home was recently listed for sale in the Halifax area, in Eastern Passage to be specific. Uh, the, I don't know what had led to this. I'm going to learn it with you right now. But the real estate agent had been completely honest in the listing to an extent I've never even seen before. I'm going to share a little bit of an article that is going to uh, give you a glimpse at, at how they marketed this home. So this headline is Smoker's Paradise. Dilapidated half duplex sells quickly after brutally honest listing goes viral. The owners of a half duplex listed for sale in the Halifax area say they're relieved it sold so quickly, but were unprepared for a torrent of unwanted attention because of an online listing. It's as much of a reflection of the red-hot real estate market as it is this family's misfortune. The brutally honest listing begins with the phrase, BOY OH BOY in all caps, and it minces no words describing the home as a smoker's paradise. If you has and now they're quoting the listing. If you have asthma, bring your inhaler and a spare, reads the listing, which was written by the real estate agent and approved by the family. After you paint, change the windows, replace the roof shingles. Did I mention the ceiling leaks? Change the siding, put in a new kitchen and new flooring and new trim and new baseboards and probably a new deck. And then you should be good to go. Call your agent today if you dare. This is certainly one for the books, says the listing. The layout is described as great, well, what you can access or see anyway. 
A few attached photos seem to support the description, showing a cluttered countertop and a room, ja and a room jammed with items nearly reaching the ceiling. There's boxes in the basement that go from one end to the other, homeowner Linda McNeil told CB CTV News on Wednesday. The 71-year-old admits maintenance and cleaning fell by the wayside when her husband, a former military man from Cape Breton, developed dementia and died. Disabled herself, Linda wasn't able to keep up. I can stand up and I can get three dishes done and then I've got to sit down, she said. There's just nothing I can do about it. The eye-catching real estate listing quickly found its way to social media, where it was widely shared and generated tons of comments. It's funny. It's very funny, said Linda's, Linda's daughter, Kim McNeil, a Torontonian who's been staying with her mother for the past two and a half years. I found it okay, but my mom took a little offense to it. The family agreed mixing brutal, brutally honest, brutal honesty with some humor was a good sales strategy, but they didn't sign up for the mockery associated with the listing on social media. It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing for me. It's embarrassing for my mom. And we have enough pride to at least say that, said Kim McNeil. In less than one day, the family accepted an offer slightly less than the $260,000 asking price. We got a bit under, but we're still walking away with a lot of cash in hand. And that's all we care about, said Kim McNeil. All of this continues to be a reflection of a market like no one has seen before. I'm never surprised, said mortgage broker Clinton Wilkins via Zoom from Toronto on Wednesday, but there certainly are homes that are above what I personally pay myself if I was going to be buying a home or buying a rental property. I want to move and just get out of it. Oh, he says, I want to move. I just want to get out of here, said Linda McNeil, who says she and her late husband brought the property when it was new, relatively new, in 1989. The real estate agent declined to be interviewed, but she told CTV News the humorous description was meant to grab attention and it ultimately succeeded. She added anyone with complaints should direct them at her and not the family. The sale is expected to close in June. Wow. So what do you think of that? Do you think it's right to be honest when you got a well, owner of a house for sale? The, you know, the real estate agent probably looked at it like, you know, it's it's probably hard to sell a house when you're trying to make it look more flattering than it, than it is. And then you have people showing up disappointed. Maybe you have people uh, getting upset that it's not, you know, that they bought something that, you know, they weren't expecting. I don't know. Like it, maybe they're like, you know, let's try this more creative way to sell this home. That's in rough shape and just kind of, Instead of just calling it a fixer-upper, let's just be completely honest with all the kind of things that they're going to encounter with, a, with buying this all. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Maybe save themselves a lot of like negotiating and mm. legwork and deals, deal, uh, potential buyers backing out. But then just like we talked about with like the theft of the bull penises, if you can do something that it gets your whatever it is you're trying to market or whatever message you're trying to share if you can find a way to communicate it so that people serve as your mouthpiece and spread it for you you're doing it pretty good and if this was just a generic listing like this home is a fixer-upper you know a, a thousand people would look at the list yeah, by yeah. making it crazy like mm -hmm. this it's it's probably the most viewed real estate listing like in Halifax, Nova Scotia, if not Nova Scotia's history. Yeah, and so it probably that's... generates, you know, a lot of um, kind of buzz and interest in the real estate agent themselves and the agency they work for. So it was probably, you know, something that all around 
was going to just draw eyes to to that agency and that agent specifically. That's true. The um, the article that I read, the the agent declined to comment. I'm kind of surprised by that. Yeah. Like they're they're interviewing the homeowner, but the the real estate agent who wrote that is like, no, I don't want to be involved. You'd think that they mm. would want like a real estate agency. You'd think they'd be like self promoting types because so much of their business would be like word of mouth. And Typically, they are maybe because the family has some regret about. <clears throat> or it sounds like they might have mm. some regret about how yeah. they how the ad or the agent went about it. Um, like that's maybe they're like, you know what, this this could turn a little ugly, so maybe I should just back off of it. It maybe it did turn ugly, and we don't know because they it, they did talk about the uh, in the article um, the sellers being a little offended by stuff they saw online. So maybe mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe there's a bit more to it uh, below the surface, but. Either way, I think it's uh, kind of cool to see someone shake it up uh, by by listing something in in that way. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, uh, hey, this house is haunted. You know, come buy it, kind of thing. Well, I'm sure people have done that before, right? I think they probably have. You know, trying to sell to the more uh, gothic uh, crowd out there that would, that would find it cool to live in a home that's haunted. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, when my when I bought my place, um, I knew that the prior owner had passed away. It was like an estate sale kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I remember my real estate agent talking to me about like, you know, if you think that's weird. And I said, like, I'm probably one of the only people that you'll have as a client that would like probably prefer a home that's been that is or or has been haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turns out it isn't. And actually, I had... Um, Oh, it's a long story. Maybe I should save it for Halloween. But my one day, my youngest son, or sorry, my oldest son, who was just a little kid then when he bought the house, he told us this like elaborate story about seeing some um, old man in our backyard. And our backyard's not the kind of backyard where just a random person would be or something. And he described what the old man looked like. And it did kind of sound like the previous owner um, who passed away. So I, mm-hmm. I contacted... I'm going to sound nuts. I contacted like <laughs> this, like say a, a psychic medium kind of group that helps people who are suffering with hauntings, I guess. Uh, and they offered to come to my house and do like uh, ghost hunting stuff. And um, they believe they made contact with his spirit. And uh, through them, he told me that um, he's watching over the place and he just wants to make sure that we take good care of it because he put a lot of like um, a lot of time and love into caring for the home, mm-hmm. which I, and I'll tell you, when they told me that, I was kind of like, whoa, like that's really wild. Because one thing I found about this house is as I've gone through it, the, the man who lived here before me was like a, a handyman so it's like you can't you almost can't go into a room without finding some weird thing that he like redesigned or fixed and there's stuff like just all over the place that he built himself and and stuff and i'm and i almost thought like man these people are legit and i'm not gonna say if they are or aren't but i do believe that if this man um if there is an afterlife, he's probably hoping that I'm not trashing the house he spent years uh, doing his thing to. Anyway, that's a mm. bit of a tangent, but well, yeah, I'm sure he'd know. appreciate your fire pit uh, projects. 
That's right. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully he does, because I'll tell you, none of the other neighbors do. <laughs> the other the other day, I oh, man, I had a fire to in my backyard for the ages. Uh, I've I'm kind of testing my new concrete fireball out um, to see how it deals with the heat, because I was worried if it gets too hot, maybe like it'll crack and a piece will go flying and hit somebody. So since no kids are in the yard with me, I thought like I am just going to put as much wood in this thing and get it as hot as I can. And it was just epic. It burned for hours. And yes, sure enough, when it was all said and done, there's a whole bunch of cracks in my concrete fireball now. Oh, but it's really? but I I, th I think it's still fine. It's just it's, it's probably, you know, thousands of degrees hot at that time. Yeah. Um, anyway, speaking of of heat and maybe things exploding, let's move on to a weird uh, roadside attraction, uh, probably not unlike the, the potato, potato man, man of, yeah. of of Maugerville. Come at me. Oh. <laughs> so you'll go completely unscathed from, from this mispronunciation of uh, Majorville. So... When we did our episode about the Potato Man in Majorville, we talked about how so many towns have this little like claim to fame. It's a statue or a monument or we're the home of first pizza in North America was sold here. You know, just any random thing. I, I have a feeling that uh, another Nova Scotia community is uh, maybe trying to hop on something like that. Let me tell you about the roadside bomb causing a buzz in a rural Nova Scotia community. At the very least, you'd think drivers would slow down and do a double take going by, but nearly everyone around Sambro already knows it's here. That unmistakable shape is hard to miss, and the overall impression is that you're seconds away from disaster. Its appearance along the busy Catch Harbor Road in recent days did cause some buzz in the area. And I had several messages asking me, did a bomb fall from the sky, or what is this thing in our community? So I asked a couple questions on on Ask Nova Scotia and took a drive by on my way to the dentist. That early morning Facebook post quickly went off like a you-know-what on the social media site with dozens commenting, offering advice, and urging residents to call the authorities immediately. It's interesting to say the least. <laughs> Greg Spurns from nearby Portuguese Cove wasn't quite so alarmed, but he was curious. I knew nothing. I drove by here a couple of days ago, Bruce, and I saw it laying on the ground, and then this morning I was going down to check my brother's place, and it was in the ground. Buried like this just today, in fact. A roadside monument now, courtesy some local fishermen. Notoriously camera shy, none would agree to an interview, but several indicated it was some kind of old weather buoy, tangled up in fishing gear decades ago and displayed for a time by a local family. The story makes sense to the Coast Guard, whose members checked it out today and confirmed there is no danger from the object which is made from some kind of fiberglass. So at the end of the day, you're mistaken about that unmistakable shape. As for why it's there, the fishermen will tell you. 
as soon as they stop laughing. It could have been anything, really, but, I mean, it's been around a long time, obviously, but not everyone knew about it. <laughs> but they know now. A blast from the past that's not really a blast at all. A joke that bombs in the best possible way. The article, I don't think, goes as in-depth in explaining what it looks like, but it mm. clearly looks like a 19, like, 50s-era bomb that would fall from the sky but as the article says it it appears to be some kind of like weather buoy, weather buoy yeah did they modify it to look like a bomb or does it already just look like a bomb so they just put it there to look even more like a bomb i think i think it was it, it i don't think they modified it i think the only thing they did was prop it upright so the nose is into the ground as yeah it so it looks like sky. it was dropped from the sky and just yeah. landed there unexploded yeah, I think it looks so much like a bomb that I think a real bomb wouldn't even look that much like a bomb. Like yeah, it has like kind of yeah. like the propeller kind of design on the back and these like small wings coming from it. It is like the most generic looking bomb that would fall from an airplane during like World War One or two or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it does. It looks when you look at the pictures, it's like, oh, I, like I thought they took a buoy and added to it to make it look more like a bomb, but if it's if it's unmodified it looks exactly like a bomb yeah exactly um and now it's it's a, a cute little thing to put on the side of the road to set up like a sort of um i don't know monument or whatever by embedding it into the ground so it looks like it's dropped but there has been a, a lot of criticism i've seen people online referring to it as distasteful uh considering what's going on in ukraine which I thought was a bit of a stretch, uh, but I, I do well, understand that. Well, I mean, I can understand it because if people are on edge right now in terms of, you know, war in general. And, you know, and when your nightly news and your, you know, news feeds are filled with, with this right now, I get it. I get that part. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to be on, you know, unsettled by the site. Because we see the pictures every day, you know, on on the news and online, you know, of unexploded bombs in Ukraine and exploded ones. You know, it's it's mm. it's touchy. Yeah, it is touchy. I just never thought I I think if I saw it, it would catch my eye, but I don't think I would make that connection. But I could but mm. yeah, I guess just in you describing it there. Initially I thought like that's a silly connection to make. But yeah, I guess you're right. Maybe I, I avoid that part of the news, so maybe it's not in my mind to the yeah, extent that maybe other people. Yeah, I think because I follow it so much, like, um, you know, like the, the war in Ukraine, I, I every day I get I try to update myself on everything that's going on. So I do look at it every day. And uh, certainly that's what popped into my mind when I saw the photo, where I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to see a bomb in my community right now. <laughs> Mm -hmm. forever really i guess unless it's like the atomic restaurant you know two for one uh cheeseburgers and then you have you know the bomb out front it's like oh it's part of the restaurant and it's you know a marketing well, I'm, I'm, thing but yeah i'm surprised someone doesn't use it for that purpose like that, that should it, that's how it should be used some that's like how someone... the only way that i would feel that it would be a tasteful way to use it is oh there's this there's a local store that's named after a bomb or you know having explosive deals on right now and there's the picture and the bomb is out in front <laughs> but then it's also like if, if you're going to go that far then you would say like you know is it 
appropriate to have a business that's like using bombs in their marketing Only if they've been called that for years before wars. Long, long before war has ever started anyway. yeah mm. okay um well if that business if there is a business out there that fits that mold uh you want to contact the the fishermen who seem to have possession of this uh bomb looking weather buoy yeah Hello, listeners. Sorry to pull you out of the episode like this, but I want to give you a bit of a tip on how you can support the creation of this show and look great doing it. If you check out the store at nighttimepodcast.com, you're going to see a dizzying array of nighttime podcast-themed shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and assorted apparel. It all comes in a variety of sizes, fits, and colors, and I'm often adding new designs. So if you're looking for something new to wear and you want to support the creation of Nighttime as you wear it, go visit the store at nighttimepodcast.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Now, this last story that we're going to end with is a friggin' roller coaster. This is... This is an insane story that is told over a series of articles, but we're mainly going to focus on three, a beginning, a middle, and an end, but there are many others. And this is an example, again, just going back to something we talked about on the show, you remember in Caligrews, the there was the CBC showed up to do a video reporting on uh, rats, and then... You know, the guy showing them where the rats mm-hmm. are and the lady comes out of the house and wrong song, wrong song, that lady, uh, <laughs> um, that lady. Uh, anyways, that was the an example of a CBC reporter just kind of like stepping in the middle of a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, this story we're going to talk about tonight that has an update within the last week. It's been going on for I think a little over a year now, but this is another example of CBC going to cover a CBC reporter going to cover one thing and it turning into something all together differently. Now I'm going to kind of skim through these articles because there are there's a lot to the story, but I'm really going to focus on the psychologist in the middle of it. So the first article that really begins the story is from January 30th of 2021 and it involves a police officer from Ottawa. Uh, named Constable Kim Cataret. So Kim Cataret was forced by her employer, the Ottawa Police Services, to see a psychologist. I've never veered from wanting to be a police officer. I love working with people, knowing that I've made a difference. For Kimberly Cataret, policing was a calling. It was her job to protect the vulnerable, yet she didn't feel protected at work. It has taken her 15 years, but Cataret is now speaking publicly about her first year on the job with the Ottawa Police Service. As a rookie, Cataret says she was repeatedly harassed by multiple officers. In her diary, she documented how they pressured her for sex and made inappropriate comments. I started reporting it. I kept going up the ranks. After reporting the harassment, she says she was taken off patrol and put on desk duty. I said, I'm telling you what's going on. 
and now you're taking my gun away. Why am I being punished? She was ordered to see a psychologist named Dr. Ron Frey at this medical clinic. Is it hard to be back? It's very hard to be back. It brings back a lot of bad memories. Those appointments have haunted her since 2007. Cataret says she saw the psychologist in a small windowless office with no desk. They sat on folding chairs and there was something off about their hour-long sessions. He didn't care about anything about my the family issues. He was um, almost like he was condescending. Like it was, it, there was no concern from him. Cataret says the psychologist would just show up at her workplace. He would just stand there and stare. During their fifth and final session, she accused him of being an imposter. After that confrontation, Cataret says she was cleared to return to patrol. In 2007, Cataret was given a copy of a nine-page report. It was written on official company letterhead with the signature of an accredited psychologist. We tracked down that psychologist. You wouldn't mind just having a seat there? Dr. Ron Frey denies writing that uh, report. This is crazy because, quite frankly, I've never heard of anything like this. So it's distressing. Um, I, I can't believe it's happening. Frey says he doesn't try to trigger paranoia in patients by showing up unannounced at their workplace. Go, going in to try to trigger a police officer's um, alleged um, paranoia, as it's stated here in this report, would be something that would be, first of all, atypical and highly unethical. He also says his office had a window and plush chairs, not folding ones. But this actually takes it to another level because here, you, this is probably criminal. Frey is adamant he never assessed Cataret, so we brought them together. So basically, she is ordered to see a psychologist. She sees a psychologist. Eventually in the future, she has questions and issues with the report. Um, and other things that are going on related to her job that if someone wants to get the full picture of the story, they can look at it, uh, the articles, because there's a lot written about it. And I believe there may even have been, I don't know if it was on the fifth estate, a CBC series, but they did video treatments of this as well. But regardless, it comes out that he says, no, that's not my report. I didn't, she's not a patient of mine. I didn't write that. It's fraudulent. And then people start to believe that maybe there's some kind of grand conspiracy going on. I've seen people online speculating that the police force that she works for may have sent her somewhere to kind of set her up to make her look bad. And the real Dr. Frey is saying, like, that's not my report. I didn't, you know, I didn't do that. So anyway, it, the plot will start to thicken very quickly. He says... I didn't see her. She says, I did see a doctor. So what CBC do, does is they get her and him together in person to interview them both. Frey is adamant he never assessed Cataret, so we brought them together. Do you recognize Dr. Frey? No. Nice to meet you. Oh, sorry. Definitely not you. Do I look familiar? Someone impersonating a psychologist seems far-fetched. 
But Cataract's lawyer says they have information that can't be ignored. I was a bit cynical at the beginning, but there's a reason that we've stuck with uh, Kimberly. Uh, because again, we have not been able to get adequate answers from the people who should be providing answers. Cataract's insurance records from the Ottawa police show only dental claims, nothing for a psychologist. People can manipulate. Uh, Her lawyers want an independent investigation. And something like this, this definitely needs an outside uh, body to take on the investigation. Ottawa police say they were made aware last November of a potential fraud involving a doctor's name. Initially, the force said there was no criminal investigation underway, but reversed course hours ago. Telling CBC, we take any of these types of calls very seriously. A criminal investigation will be conducted. I feel that this report has destroyed my career. We're 2021, this happened in 2007. And to this day, I'm still referred to at work as crazy and um, I can't be trusted. So this has never left me. After 15 years, this meeting has brought some relief. Cataract's worst fears were realized, but she was believed. Uh, this is several years later. Oh yeah, we're talking 10 years from mm, okay. when the report was drafted but still you would remember a psychologist she would yeah i'm just wondering about him like but you know, he, that's, he, that's he i if, if if let's just say you know we, we know a lot of crazy stuff happens in the story but um if you're a psychologist and you have uh, a lot of patients over the years i could understand him not recognizing her if he did actually see her at some point mm -hmm. but she would definitely remember him he may not recognize her, but he would, he should be able to recognize his work and his report. So that is where the story starts with CBC. Yeah. And she even says that she remembers the office being like, you know, windowless with um, folding chairs and, and that the doctor drove a minivan. And then he said, I don't, I have an office with a window um i don't i've never driven a minivan before so like you know there's all that stuff too that's you know. yeah and it's all sounding like if you're a conspiracy theorist it's like you know what the hell is going on um however the tables turn not long after the cbc situation the ottawa police service um begins an investigation into the allegations that there is a fake psychologist um to avoid any kind of conflict of interest, because again, keep in mind that the Ottawa Police Service made their member see a psychologist. So they're kind of, if, if there is some kind of conspiracy, they're gonna be pulled into it likely from the, in people as people look into this. They get an outside police force to do the investigation. Here's the update. Dr. Frey, are you okay? Police officers escort Dr. Ron Frey to an unmarked cruiser, the psychologist who has assessed hundreds of police officers during his decades-long career, was arrested on Monday and charged with public mischief. York Regional Police started investigating following a CBC report in June that raised questions about a former Ottawa police officer's psychological assessment. Ottawa called an outside force to investigate. Four months later, York investigators accused Frey of falsely reporting that he had been impersonated. 
but police declined to tell CBC News how they had determined his statements were false. In a statement through his lawyer, Frey vehemently denies all the allegations and insists that he has done nothing wrong. He says he will defend himself vigorously. As for what's behind all these twists and turns, we could find out more in December at Frey's next court appearance. So it's looking mm. pretty nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's you just kind of scratching your head like, what's going on here? Um, it was just about to go to court, which leads us to yesterday's update. On May 2nd, a follow-up article was posted. The headline, therapist who triggered investigation into a fake psychologist blames bad memory. So here we go. <laughs> the already unusual case of an alleged fake psychologist working with the Ottawa Police Service has taken another surprising turn, one that's adding to the distress of the police officer at its heart. The Crown Prosecutor has withdrawn a charge of public mischief against Dr. Ronald Frey after the certified psychologist made an about-face admission. In a court hearing on April 22nd, so a couple weeks ago, Frey changed his story. The psychologist admitted that he did, in fact, assess Cataret after he was shown new evidence, including appointment records kept with the OPS Health and Safety Unit. When I spoke to CBC about the story in 2021, given the passage of time, I did not have any recollection or records of meeting or conducting an assessment with Constable Cataret in 2007, said Frey, reading aloud from a prepared statement in court. But after reviewing the disclosure and the investigative material collected by the York Regional Police in this matter, which was recently provided to me, I acknowledge that I did conduct an assessment of Kim Cataret. Frey told the judge he saw Cataret to determine her fitness to return to duty. Um, and then it goes on to end with the Crown Prosecutor did not provide a specific reason for dropping the criminal charge and no evidence was pre presented in court beyond Frey's statement. So I got to ask mm, you, how, yeah. the, how does it get that far? Uh, um, um, my head hurts trying to, trying to figure this story out. Like, yeah, like I've made a lot of dumb mistakes, but like that, but a mistake that involves you like on national television being like, I've never seen this patient and they're hugging mm. and he's like, I'm so sorry. Someone's doing this. He goes to the police about it. Like it's, this is just, it's completely saying that someone's out there impersonating him. Like, uh, but, but then the, he said that I would never write this report. It's unethical. But it's unethical. And I would never, this is not my work. And like saying all this stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, sorry, I forgot. I, I did do that. Yeah. I would like to know, like the evidence they showed him, which were, it seemed to be like his booking meetings, like his confirmation of like booking appointments and stuff. Yeah. Well, would he not have checked that before he went on CBC like, to give interviews and meet this patient, like to confirm he didn't? Oh, man, I'd, I don't I know. No, I would have. Yeah, I would have combed through any evidence that I had before I came out and said, no, I, that's not me. You know, I've never seen you before and I would never write that. That's unethical. That's, you know, not my work. But then there's all the stuff about again the office and the minivan and stuff like what what's well, going on here like well, i still don't can't put all the pieces together i chalk some of that up to her memory too like it's been many years so for her to remember what he was driving and what his office was like 
I, I don't know. I th- I think yeah, memory can be a funny thing, and it can you can remember things differently than how they actually happened. Certainly, especially but... over like ten plus years. But um, it's it's completely nuts. And then also think about the fact that and we didn't get a lot into her allegations, but she has some serious complaints about being bullied on the for on the force and um, sexual harassment and all sorts of awful kind of gaslighting kind of stuff happening. Imagine you're dealing with all that. You're forced to go to a therapist to prove you're capable of doing your job again and having a gun and all this stuff. The report comes back as, you know, not a great report and you go to challenge it and then are met with all this nonsense. The Mm -hmm. psychologist being like, I didn't write that report. And you're on CBC crying, talking about it. And then after two years of that kind of nuttiness, he's like, it's my memory. Yeah, I did do this, that. Yeah. This, la- this lady, that Constable Cataret, yeah. she needs to write a book about some. And, well, she needs to write a book and file some lawsuits is the way I see it. But something like this. Um, well, I guess that that's about as weird as we can get for tonight. This... Uh, We've been we've been across a lot. We had our 19th reunion party at the top of the episode, the honest real estate listing, the bomb, the bull penises, and now this before. Mm. I think we've done enough. Yeah, I think uh, I think we covered enough weird stuff for this week for us to get really good sleeps tonight. Yeah, and actually, I already got. Um, the first story came in just before we record started recording for next week's episode. So we got another good one, uh, brew, and I can't wait to share no, that I'm with excited. you. But let's let's and if anyone out there who has some bizarre, weird thing that happened in their town or happened to them, let us know about it. Contact us at nighttimepodcast.com slash contact. Yeah, and if anybody has any issues with how Jordan pronounces anything at all, be sure to leave a voicemail threatening until next time aaron oh yes until next time jordan i love the microwave the microwave that makes the magic i want to thank you for joining aaron and i for our keep canada weird discussion but before we part here i have some thanks first a big thanks to aaron airport for 19 years of airport and for sharing an evening with me and the listeners of nighttime A big thanks to the Internet's favorite cult leader, Unicol, for supplying the intro and outro narrations. But the most important thanks goes to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is, and it has always been, an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening to me on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it gives you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly. So for about the price of a cup of coffee, keep this show alive at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And on the topic of the premium feed, let me thank the newest subscribers, Kirsten, Cassandra, and Ray. Thank you for going premium. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it with a premium feed subscription, you can give me a huge hand by simply sharing this episode on social media and letting like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If anyone out there has any story ideas, wants to give feedback on the show, or provide a voice memo to be played on air, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com contact. 
We hope to hear from you. But until then, I ask you to take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte. Beautiful, serene, majestic, the true north, strong and weird. <laughs> <laughs>